Well, it's good to see y'all tonight. Um, our text is going to be in Hebrews 11, if you want to turn there for a minute. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, I'm glad to, I'm glad, I'm just glad to be out of the house, let's be honest. We, uh, <clears throat> we had a fun week in last week. All of our family was sick, and uh, we, we shared many things around Thanksgiving together, um, germs and, and whatever this is. Um, we all shared it together, but uh, it's like I, I leave church for one Sunday and I come back and everything's decked out for Christmas. I got flashing lights while I'm playing playing the songs and right in my eyes. I, I wasn't expecting the lights to be like animated. I just thought they were going to be turned on, but they, there they are. They're, now they're not flashing. <laughs> perfect, perfect. But everything looks beautiful here, uh, decked out decorated for Christmas. Hebrews 11, uh, by way of illustration, let me start uh, with asking a question tonight. Who enjoys a good fire? I didn't say what kind of fire. You, you, you may have wanted to wait on putting that hand up. Okay, I mean, there's, there's good kinds of fire, right? There's a fire pit, right? There's a fireplace. There's uh, a wood, wood stove, fire. Anybody remember those wood stoves? Anybody had grandparents, parents that had homes with the wood stoves? Wood-fired pizza. Hey, how about that? There we go. Um, but we all know the dangers of fire too, right? Uh, forest fires, electrical fires, cars catching on fire, getting fired, <laughs> you know, house fires. What, what about the things that that fire can create, though. What is what are, somebody? This is, okay, we can be interactive. What what is something that a that you create from a fire that's really really good? A, a what? A vase. Okay. What about what about a food that you create from a, a s'more? There we go. A steak. Chicken, perhaps. You can make chicken tenders with fire, right? But there's some things that, there's a lot of things that we as, as humans, we value as people that have to go through a firing process before they're valuable to us, right? Gems, precious metals, knives, iron, those big onion towers at Mikado's and Boone, they just, fire just shoots up through them. All those things have to be gone through a heat process, a firing process before they become something valuable to us, right? Men, when we were to, about to propose to our wives, we went downtown to the store, the jewelry store. We put a bunch of money on the table, a whole lot of money, for what? A diamond, that's right. You ever thought about how, you ever read about how diamonds are made, like the natural, natural diamonds? Simply, if you want to put it um, simply, diamond formation occurs when carbon deposits deep within the earth, approximately 90 to 125 miles below the surface, are subject to high temperatures, that's over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and high pressure. Now, some diamonds take shape in a matter of days or months, while others take years to materialize. That process is grueling and it can take forever, but the end result is a valuable gem 
that has been forged by heat and pressure. And Job talked about this in Job chapter 23, verse 10. And he said, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now think about what Job had gone through for just a minute. We'll read our text in just a second. But he knew that he was going through the fire, but he also knew that from the fire, those inconsistencies, the dirt, the unwanted things in his life would all melt away and he would be left with solid gold. If we're going to live this life with great faith, there's going to be days when the fire is hot and the pressure feels like it's too much and you're going to want to give up. In those moments, your faith is going to be revealed and your lack of faith is going to be revealed. Most everyone here has already dealt with at least one of those moments uh, or more in your lives already. It's easy to question uh, why we have to go through trials and testing. And many times we want to look up at God and say, what, you know, why me? Why do I have to go through this? But God always has a purpose in mind, and that purpose is to grow and mature our faith. So the question I want to ask is, do we really want to have great faith? How do we acquire great faith? How do we develop a great faith? You might say we mature in our faith through our study of Scripture and through time spent with the Lord, and that, that would be true. But can you taste a meal just from a cookbook? Can you uh, build muscles by reading about working out? Can you add six inches to your vertical by just reading about exercises or watching YouTube tutorials? No, you can't. You have to go through the process in that grind. A faith that cannot be tested is a, uh, is a faith that cannot be trusted. Adrian Rogers said that. There's a whole lot of other preachers that said that. So if, you want to, if you're taking notes and you want to write my name right there, you know, that'll be cool. But I think it was originated by Warren Wearsby. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. We've been teaching about great faith the last few Wednesdays and we've, uh, we've, that we've been together. We talked a few weeks ago about significant faith. And then uh, remember what, he, what Pastor Coleman said, anchor deep, pray hard, hold on. Is that what it was, the last one? Anchor deep, pray hard, and hold on. And then Pastor Jake talked about the call and the journey of Abraham a couple weeks ago. But tonight, as we're going to read about some people who had their faith tested, they, they came forth as gold so much so that they earned a place in this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And if we're going to have great faith, we're going to face this same testing and trying of our faith. I read something earlier today that said this, Trials call your faith to the witness stand to testify. The trials that you face in your life will tell you what kind of faith you have the way you respond to them. Let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 32, and we'll read through verse 40 really quickly. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to the flight of armies of the aliens, not those kinds of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you so much for this night. Lord, I pray that as we open Scripture and we read about people who went through intense trial and testing, but they endured and they escaped by faith. Lord, I pray that we'll examine our lives and, and, and look at, Lord, how we view trials and how we view suffering, Lord, as a way to mature our faith and, Lord, to, to accept that you are in control of all of it. And that you're using those things to grow us into the image of your own son. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to say what I need to say, don't say what I don't need to say. And Lord, I pray that we would just leave here tonight encouraged from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're reading from Hebrews 11. And uh, this is known as the, the hall of faith, right? You know, if, if someone is the best at something, you look at professional sports, where do they end up eventually? The hall of what? Fame. Okay? That means that, number one, they accomplished something that hardly anyone else ever did. Right? That means that they did something that is to be desired of those who are in that same field or industry. And they did it better than anyone else. Hebrews 11 is written for that purpose. There were some Christians who were facing persecution and they were ready to throw in the towel. They were ready to give up. Have you ever felt like that? Of course. We all have. It usually happens on Sunday mornings, right? That's when you want to give up the most. That's when you're most vulnerable. You're trying to get ready for church. The, the, the breakfast is burning. The, the kids are knocking each other out. The dog's barking. There's an Amazon driver at the door on a Sunday morning that just shows up with stuff for Christmas presents and your kids are looking at it and then they're wondering who brought that? You can't tell them it's Santa anymore. There's toothpaste on the wall. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows if it's actually toothpaste or not. These are really specific instances. They happen in my house on a weekly basis. Or maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe it's the anniversary of somebody that you lost. Maybe it's a wayward adult child that is far from God and, and has nothing to do with church anymore. This is why this chapter was written for people like me and people like you that want to just give up sometimes. This whole chapter is written to encourage them to keep going. So one of the questions I'll ask tonight is what kind of faith is great faith? We're talking about great faith. We want to have great faith that's it sounds like something that we as Christians should attain for, right? I want us to look at some groups of people here in this passage and how they all made it by faith. Number one, imperfect faith 
can be great faith. Imperfect faith can be great faith. I'm going to read verse 32 through 35 again. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned the flights of the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, after reading that, that sounds kind of like a pep rally, right? That's the best sales pitch out there for faith. Of course we want to experience victories like that, don't we? Uh, but these people, they lived some pretty rough lives. A lot of them were just public failures. Look at Gideon. He boldly destroyed the idols. He was mightily used of God to defeat a much larger army of Midianites and judges. Yet he was a man who doubted God's word to him at first and repeatedly asked for confirmation. Barak, he left the people of Israel in a dramatic uh, victory over the Canaanites in Judges 4, yet he hesitated and went forward only when Deborah and the, the prophetess Deborah encouraged him. Samson, we know that story. He was mighty. Uh, mightily used of the Lord to defeat the Philistines, yet he never lived up to his full potential. And he had a tragic ending to his life. Jephthah, he was used of God to defeat the Ammonites, but Jephthah made a foolish vow and had to, he stubbornly decided to keep it. And we all know the story of David, the great king of Israel. He was a remarkable man of faith, yet he also failed in his life with the story of Bathsheba and his own children. Each one of these were men of faith, but they had these very public and notable areas of failure in their life. But still, they find their place in Scripture in this hall of faith. This shows that weak faith is better than unbelief. And you don't have to be perfect to make it into God's hall of faith. They're all part of God's plan in the Old Testament. And their lives are a testament to what God can do with anyone who is willing to walk in obedience. Remember, faith is not a feeling. We've said this a lot. Faith is an action. Even great, small faith can be great faith. Turn with me really quickly to Luke 17. Excuse me. Luke 17. Jesus is teaching. We'll start in verse 3. And he said, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent... Forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. The, the apostles looked at Jesus and they said, Lord, increase our faith. What a thing to say to Jesus. But the reason they're saying that is Jesus is teaching them about some lessons about forgiveness and the, and the apostles are saying it to Jesus. We don't know how to do that. If you look at the context, they, they're wanting to know how to deal with people that they don't want to forgive. And they're saying increase our faith. We need more faith to do that. And Jesus said it's not about your amount of faith. You can have the faith of a mustard seed and say these things, but the object of their faith was what was important. 
not in the amount of their faith. You can have small faith and still have great faith. They're saying, Lord, help us to deal with people who do us wrong. We all have people that we have to deal with that we don't necessarily want to, don't we? We ask the Lord, and some, some of you asked this morning, Lord, help me to deal with fill in the blank. So maybe some of them are in this room. Y'all can laugh. I'm trying, all right? I'm trying. The amount of faith is irrelevant, but the object of faith is what's of utmost importance. Great faith can be small faith, as long as the object of our faith is Christ. That's why we go, but when we go back to our text in Hebrews, <clears throat> nothing is mentioned about any amount of faith or any quantity of faith. It's all about the quality of faith firmly planted in Jesus. Number, number one, imperfect faith can be great faith. We have this list of people who escaped some of these crazy situations. And many times it was supernatural how God provided. And at the end of the day, they were able to stand with their hands upraised as a victor. Think about some of these situations. Daniel in the lion's den. There was no way naturally that that was going to play out the way that it did, right? It took a supernatural move of God, supernatural doing of God for Daniel to come out of there alive. David killing Goliath. These are supernatural God moments where he comes through and he rescues the situation in a way where only he could do that. Can you relate to that? I know that I can. There's been some times where I've messed up thoroughly and God has redeemed a situation that I thought was unredeemable. We thank God for those moments because they're faith builders in our lives. But it wasn't because of the amount of our faith. It was because our faith was in Him. Our imperfect faith is a great faith when it's in a big God. And when you're going through the fire, and when you're being tested, your faith can be strong because we rest in a God that can do the impossible, that can move mountains. John 16, we're promised that we're going to have times of trial and testing in our lives. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. I love the end of this, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He promises that we would face these times of testing. But how are we going to respond to them? There's another group of people that are mentioned here in this passage. We continue in verse 36. And others. There's people who escaped and experienced extreme great victory by faith, and they lived to tell about it. And their stories are recorded in Scripture. But there are others. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Not only imperfect faith can be great faith, but number two, enduring faith can be great faith. At first glance, it'd be easy to say, well, these people must not have had enough faith. Their faith, by all intents and purposes, it looked like it failed them. Right? They listed, but they're listed with this, the same people in Hebrews 11 that were victorious by faith. 
they all received an A-plus on this faith report card that's being listed right here. How did they do it? They did it by faith. They didn't escape. They endured. What are some examples of these stories? People who are tortured. This is a, a brutal word even in the Greek language. It, it, it carried the idea to beat with a stick. Trials of mockings. Uh, Isaac endured the, the mocking of Ishmael. Samson was mocked at the Feast of the Philippines. Imprisonment. Think about the story of Joseph. He was falsely imprisoned just because he chose to do right. They were stoned. Prophet Zechariah was stoned to death between the altar and the temple. Naboth was stoned to death by, by Jezebel's henchmen. Stephen was stoned to death while he preached the gospel to the people who murdered him. Sown uh, in two. Sown asunder. According to historical accounts, Isaiah was sown in two and killed. Slain with the sword. Um, John the Baptist was beheaded for preaching the truth. Eighty-five priests that were murdered by uh, Doeg or the prophets murdered in Elijah's day. Wandering about in sheepskins and goat skins, people like Elijah, they wore this kind of humble clothing and didn't mind the humility or the discomfort. But in other cases, Christians were dressed in animal skins and sent through the woods as they were chased by wild dogs to be killed for sport. They all gave their lives for the gospel. If I don't, let me say this. I want to encourage you to read a book. It's not... It's not, a, it's not a fun read. It's a very heavy read. If you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can read some stories about some real heroes of the faith. People like this who gave their lives for the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, that verse says, of whom the world was not worthy. One author said this, the despised and the ill-treated group of servants of God was of greater real worth than all the rest of humanity put together. I'm reminded of that story of the missionary that was killed just a few weeks ago. It was all over the news. Many people would consider that a wasted life because of the people that he was ministering to. But can you imagine the welcome that he received in heaven? He took one final breath here, and he took another one there, being welcomed into the arms of his Savior. In dens and caves of the earth, David, Elijah, and a lot of other prophets, they, they under the leadership of uh, Obadiah, they were all forced to flee and hide in caves. Did their faith, does this mean their faith failed them? No, absolutely not. They had a faith in a God who had a sovereign purpose. They didn't have faith to escape, but they had faith to endure. And just like them, my faith and your faith is going to be tested. There'll be circumstances that don't work out in our favor. That prayer that won't be answered in the way you thought it should. You may have to walk through something that you didn't choose for yourself we could all name people in our lives that were strong believers, but when life got the best of them, they folded and they gave up. Their faith is being revealed. Do you want to have great faith? Do you want to come forth as gold when you've been tried by fire? You're going to have to endure some hard things. You're going to have to have faith to endure, faith to stand. Maybe you prayed and asked God to do something miraculous for you and it's not been done. And it hasn't been done because he can't do it. It's not because he's unlimited or been limited. And it's not because he doesn't care about you. One preacher said this, Faith is not receiving from God so much what we want as it is accepting from God what he gives or what he allows. That is faith. Therefore, I want to encourage you to have an if not clause in your faith. 
Remember that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Everyone was bowing down to the idol. Everyone except these three guys. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he sees them and they're brought before the king and ordered to, to worship that idol and bow before it. If they don't, death in the fire. What's their response? They said, O king, if it be so, then our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But if not, we still won't bow. They had a settled faith. They didn't have to huddle up about it and decide. They decided right then and there. Their mind was made up. They had a sure faith. The object of their faith was Christ. They said, our God is able. But then they also had a steadfast faith. They said, even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship your idol. Our God is able, but we know that if he doesn't, we're, but know that if we doesn't, we're still not going to worship your idol. Maybe you're ready to quit just because God doesn't do the thing that you're, that you're asking him to do. You need to have an if not clause in your faith. It doesn't mean that your faith is weak. It means that your faith is stronger than ever. God, I know you're able, but if you don't, I'll still serve you. A person that has great faith will accept the sovereign purposes of God for their life. Those guys were literally put through the fire and came out better for it. But before they ever entered the fire, they had their mind made up that they would just be faithful. I want to encourage you tonight to set your mind to be faithful, to trust God whatever comes your way. Number two, they had an enduring, an enduring faith is a great faith. And not only that, but lastly, um, an emulating faith is a great faith. Look at verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Remember what we talked about earlier when we introduced this passage. Why are these people even on this list in this chapter? They were given as examples for believers to follow. Their faithfulness in these times can make our faith a little easier. Most of the people in this chapter were Old Testament examples. Before the Messiah came, they trusted God at His word anyway. They all had to go by the same thing, the promises of God. We have the written word of God. We've got the words of Christ himself. We have the examples of great faith that are set before us to, to look at. What's our, what's our response when we go through trials and testing? We can be reminded that we don't have to have it all figured out. The people that we talked about at the beginning, they saw God do miraculous things, but they, all, they definitely had their shortcomings. Or sinful people just like you and I are. The object of our faith is much more important than the amount of our faith. We can make up our mind to remain faithful and to endure hard times knowing that God is in control and has a sovereign purpose in everything that goes into our lives. We, but we can also go back to the examples of great faith before us and remind ourselves that if they can do it, we can do it too. That's why these, all these names are listed. Read, read Hebrews 11. It's all by faith, by faith, by faith. This person, this person, this person. They went through extreme adversity, extreme hardships. But God used them because of their faith. 
that's why you know we we look at as they call it the hall of faith because that's something to be emulated it's something to be desired that's the standard that we should set for ourselves and if we need an example of faith right there they are we have so many wonderful examples here um, one final illustration before we finish I can remember I know I talk about this a lot but um, the day that we found out that that Ashley had cancer we were sitting in doctor our doctor's office and um our doctor, uh, I praise the Lord for, our doctor is a, is a very, very, very bold Christian. And um, he gave us a lot of counsel during that time. And that very first day that we sat in that little exam room, and uh, he's just kind of talking to us. He's kind of explained what's going on. And uh, we're just kind of absorbing the information. He said something to me that I will, I don't think I'll ever, ever forget. And he said, he said, this is where your faith builds muscles. We decided that day, um, or the next day, when we went in for Ashley's biopsy, we, we were at Grace Hospital in Morganton. And before we ever went in there, we were just kind of talking. Uh, of course, we all had kind of, we had questions that did not have answers yet, uh, as did to the severity of what was going on. Um, but she's, I remember her, she, she said, can we pray before we go in? Of course, yeah, absolutely, we're going to pray. And we prayed together, and I remember, I remember some of the things that I said, but I meant every word. I said, today, we, we, we trust you. We commit this to you. And even if it's not what we want to hear, we're going to do our best to trust you anyway. We, we committed together that we would trust God wholly through this situation. And I'm thankful that God did heal her. But I believe with all my heart today that we both decided together that day to trust God either way, even if she wouldn't have been healed. In the midst of chaos, God gave us a peace. He gave us a, I can't, even, I can't explain the peace that God gave us. We didn't know what would transpire. We didn't know how it would work out, but we had a peace that God was in control and he would take care of us. And he did. And when we talk about faith builders in our lives, I've got those. And I find myself saying, whenever we run into a situation because of that, I find myself saying, well, if God took care of us then, he can take care of us now. That's what's happening in Hebrews 11. You've got 40 verses of example after example after example after example. God did this then. He can do this now. And then you've got example after example of, but if it doesn't work out the way that it, we think it should, He's still good and He's still faithful. The way your faith will grow. You want to have great faith? Great faith is forged in the fire. Nobody, nobody asks for that to happen. Nobody wants to go through the fire. But look at what comes out of the fire. 
you can set an if not clause in your faith today. I want to encourage you to, to do that. I want to encourage you to set your mind to trust God if not. We're all going to face those situations and, and it seems like it's a depressing text. It seems like it's a depressing subject to talk about. We're all going to face situations where we want to give up. We're all going to face situations where we don't have the answers that we need. We're all going to face situations where we feel like we are going through the fire. But we're all going to be faced with the same question. What will we do with it? How we respond matters. So my encouragement to you tonight is we can prepare now for those times to come. You can set, you can set your mind right now that you'll trust God and serve Him anyway. You can decide tonight that even if He doesn't, even if He says no, because sometimes He does, that I'll still serve. That's what great faith is. Great faith is not a feeling. Great faith is an action propelled by trust. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day.